What's good, everybody? It's your man Chris back in here for another episode of the Slide Through. Got the crew in here today. Hold yeah, on, Paul. Man, you know I ain't nothing. Yeah, yeah, same old. Ron, chilling. Boy, you been working. I ain't seen you in a while. Yeah, seven days was crucial. But I'm trying to tell you. Woo. I'm too. Uh, that January hurt my soul to hear you say seven days. I was say January to Easter. That was what we was on seven days. Dang. Yeah, he don't get no rest. Mm. No, I ain't seen. I ain't seen you. I ain't seen him. Look, he be too tired to text. Boy, he can't even look. Get his thumbs don't even work when he get off work. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> working in manufacturing like I work, well, yeah, they work you to death. I feel you, babe. I'm glad so, you're back, well. Yeah, glad to good. see you back. Yeah, good to see you, bro. I appreciate <laughs> it. Mark, I'm here, man. I, that's, you know it. Yeah, that's what's up, man. What's what's been good? Ah, same old, same old, man. Work. Sound like. out. Started running. Hey, I went at the little link you sent me. Yeah. Mad Miles Club was on there. Okay. Went out there, man. Hey, that's, that's like 350 people out there. Good. What? <laughs> okay. Oh, I was like, okay. It was, it was dope. <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> Let's say, I will. Yeah, be back. You be, okay. okay. That's I'm what's up. Glad that helped. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not a runner. I'm not either. So, yeah, so I was really single ready, ready to me because I. Yeah, oh, okay. All right. Like that, you know? I don't even go that. That's why he's sticking with you. That's why he's sticking with you. That's why got a motivation. He done turned the running experience <laughs> to a mixer. Hey, they got a little skateboard in the morning, too. So I'm like, might roll down something. Oh, all right. You know, so, oh, he taking it back to Georgia. That's what's up. I ain't mad at that whatsoever. I'm glad that link helped then. Shoot. Hey, I might, did. Like the, might turn me into a runner. That, that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I ain't know what it was. Then I looked and that popped up. I was like, Yeah, it's in Charlotte, man. They uh they turned the old like factory setting into like a bunch of shops and yeah. all kinds of stuff. They have cool. outdoor movie settings and everything, so that's dope. But um to all of those who have been rocking with us from day one, we appreciate it very much. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all always sliding through and checking us out. As you know, this is episode 100. 100. 100. Finally. I figured out 100. <laughs> I didn't know that. They translated that on Facebook for wolves. I said, why the? I said, now black people, we done been saying 100 for a long time. Like Exactly like that. Not 100. Listen to what he's saying, people. Hunted. Oh, hunted. <laughs> hunted means wolves in Estonia. All right. Yeah. He just popped up on his Facebook talking about, yeah, one yeah, wolves. I'm like, no, not one, one hunted. Oh, but yeah, this is this is episode one hundred, man. We are doing the black therapy session that we always do every season. And Today is a very special day because we actually have a therapist in the building with us. Ladies and gentlemen, all of our viewers and listeners, please welcome Reese Barnett to the show. Hello, everybody. What's going on, Reese? How you doing? Nothing much. Glad it's the weekend. Me too. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Friday. Look, my mama told me, no, my pops told my mom, he was like, you know it's the weekend. That boy, he he, he walked different. (laughs) (laughs) 
be happy. He come in every other day, be looking all sad every weekend, get here to boy. He walking different. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. Cause I ain't gotta go to worry. Ain't gotta deal with that stuff no more. For at least two, three days. I work from home, so. Oh, see? See, I I used to. Work from I home is to. different. Man, it's it's pros I ain't and cons. No pros and cons. Like I yeah. So working from home, do you get but like I found myself getting tired of my house. Cause <laughs> you be there. So basically your job is your house. So it's like you wake up, I would wake up, get on the computer, get off, just walk downstairs. Mm-hmm. I did it every day. I was like, I'm getting bored of being up in here, man. See, I got a routine. Like, that's why I started running, go to the gym. Like, I have to get out. I normally take a little drive after work, you know, make it feel like I actually got off work and stuff, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I had to learn. I mean, they told us that in training. It's like, hey, you know, make sure you get out so you don't go crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, boy. Okay. Wow. Let's see. I've only done it partially, but not full on. I don't know if I could do it. I'd be in there going stir crazy. Full on is, but it's worth like it's worth it. But it mentally, it's an adjustment because you. I mean, because full on, I did it part time like you at first. Mm-hmm. Then they moved us to full on. Mm-hmm. But getting the full on, I was happy. Shoot, I'm washing clothes. I might go to the gym. I'm gonna, you know, do a little bit. Might turn on the P5, play some PlayStation. See, that's where I be I'm lost. Right. I'm, I'm gone don't already do after that. Don't nope. do it. See? I ain't gonna lie. I, ain't gonna, well, I don't work there no more, so I can't get in trouble anyway. I'll be on the phone playing, and I'll be on the phone with the people talking and playing at the same time. Horrible. Then I might hit Ron and, hey, man, what you doing? That is I got somebody on hold right now. Terrible. See? I can't. That, that's the little now, to be calling my phone. <laughs> I'm like, you don't sound like you focused. You can't tell me what this customer calling is about. Right. You hear babies in the background crying. I was like, hey, well. Boy. I don't want no part of that. <laughs> but, Ms. Reese, you are from the Roundtable Coaching and Counseling or Consulting in Gastonia. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing that? Five years. Okay. On my, my own practice, yeah. That's awesome. So, what kind of led you to getting into counseling and consulting over the years? So, I love to help people. I like empowering people so that they can discover their own potential. Okay. And help them realize that they don't have to be a victim of their circumstance. Mm, that's that's powerful. I like that because a lot of people do get kind of stuck in circumstance or just life situations and they don't know how to get out of it and mm-hmm. kind of helping people find that that path or that light I guess you could say mm-hmm. is I don't know it feels good <laughs> I mean know, to me it does it, right because you are what you think okay right and your mind is not limited to your region or your address or your circumstance so mm-hmm. you can keep somebody in bondage a whole lifetime mm-hmm. right if you can control their thoughts yeah. <laughs> I, you remember I said one of my superpower would have been mind control. Mind. I'm a of mental course. person. It's your mind. If I if I got your mind, I got everything else. <laughs> I ain't See. trying to be a villain. I might want to help you. At the end of the day, if I got your mind, I got everything. So you trying to be like Professor X. Professor X. Mm, okay. Not like Jean Grey. Jean Grey went a little crazy. I'll be more Jean Grey. 
She killed people. I would be more genius. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just leaving it at that. I ain't saying I was just like. But when you said that, that's what I try to explain to people. Like, because some people look at therapy like you had a uh, psychiatrist. But I try to explain it. Like, the thing is, a lot of times therapists are blessed to have the patience enough to help you unlock what you should already know. Like, That's right. you already have what it takes inside of you to get through things because God prepares you for that. But not all of us know how to open that door. Like, anytime you got a problem, you have the power to overcome it. It's just something that blocks you. And a lot of times, you ain't got nobody to communicate with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I remember when I first went to her, I told her, I'm like, you know, my mama didn't tell me, you know, you go you go to the church, the pastor going to help you, he going to talk to you. I'm like, that's cool <laughs> and all, but what if I want somebody neutral? What if I need, because a lot of times, you can't share everything with everybody, you know that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got to have somebody in neutral. So therapy, that's why I'm a big proponent of it. Um, therapy is like a long time. And it helps you open up your mind. You know, one thing you said uh, that I'd like to reiterate it is already in you. So when you go to therapy, it's not about the therapist solving your problem. Mm-hmm. It's about the therapist ho- helping you accomplish whatever goal you set and to remove those barriers. Or sometimes that barrier is just a lack of awareness. Okay. No, I can see that. Because a lot of people just don't know. I mean, you don't know what you don't know, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, right. it's, that's exactly what it boils down to a lot of times because having information and awareness about something being there is a lot of times the key to just stepping past that yeah that barrier as you said it's a partnership okay and a support and it's a neutral space and a safe space okay so it, by ethics and law we cannot share whatever is shared with us except right, right. if you're going to harm somebody right <laughs> right okay yeah yeah or harm yourself <laughs> Oh, gee, By real. law, I have like to keep people safe. I, mean, hey, I have nobody I want to harm. Gene Gray over here. That's what I'm saying. I was like, hey, you know. Nah, I feel you, though. That's but all right. It, and, you know, it, it's a big thing, too. Didn't it just happen recently where, like, people of color started recognizing therapy? Like, and it's funny, and it had, well, Cause I'm a big proponent of hip hop, and just over the past what you would say probably five years, people start talking like Charlemagne the God and mm-hmm. some of the rappers. They start talking about I go to therapy. I do. Cause I need to talk to somebody, and that's you know. And they just started pushing it recently because you know for the longest in our community, if you go to a therapist, you you they probably gonna call you crazy. Something wrong with him. He don't know. He don't. He don't know how to deal with life. Right. I mean, you're not crazy. Is I think what's the biggest misconception that you feel like we have in our community about that last statement you made that people think you have to be crazy to get help. 
And it's just like you said, it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's talking. It's sorting. Also, people normalizing pain, thinking that this is how I'm supposed to live um, or I'm supposed to just deal with it. Um forced to keep things secret, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, especially in the older generations, mm-hmm. what goes on at home stays on at home. Mm-hmm. Then there's racial trauma and and most African Americans didn't even realize that we had already been predisposed to racial racial trauma until all the stuff started happening with all of the police killings with African American males. And then all of a sudden people were like, hey, whoa, mm-hmm. this is not normal. So that just the prejudice the bias the stigmas what <clears throat> because that's always been crazy to me too like when people are apprehensive to do something because of what other people are thinking like oh they might think I'm crazy so I ain't gonna go get help or I ain't gonna go do this or do that or or whatever the case may be but especially with therapy where do you think all that stigma comes from really uh, just I think things in society, right? You've got prejudice, you got injustice, you got discrimination, you mm-hmm. had a history of slavery, you got incarceration, you mm-hmm. got racism, uh, financial poverty, just, you know, financial stress, a racial bias, hate crimes, like all these things. Because like, what's going to happen mm-hmm. if I'm vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. Like, what's going to happen? Um, is this going to help me? Is this going to hurt me? Is somebody going to take advantage of me if I do that? Am I going to be considered weak? You know, somewhere I know later in the um, the broadcast, we'll probably talk about family a little more. But like, your family is one of your biggest influences, right? Right. So if you came up in a family where you keep everything quiet or you got black masculinity going on and it's weak for you to show your feelings and be open. Well, then what are you going to do? Because at this point now you got to survive. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now we have, we develop our own coping skills and they may be positive ones and they may be negative ones. Cause it's a habit. Like well, we've been talking about that a lot this year. Like it's kind of one of the things we don't had on the show this year is habits. <laughs> and like your brain really don't know the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. It's just a habit. Because it's developed and learned, and at a certain point, survival mode kicks in. And it's, what was that she told me? And I, that's the you remember that thing I always mess up. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's like yo, when you say yo, it's your brain always the, the so neuron, yep. So I was gonna say if we want to dive a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Right, you gonna mess go. it up? <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm about to mess that all way. I'm about to mess your mama stuff all way. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. So basically, what happens is. Your brain, you have neurological uh, pathways like roads and streets. Mm-hmm. You've got neurons like cars. Mm-hmm. Your brain is going to always choose the shortest path. Okay. The shortest path is whatever you do the most frequent. So your mm-hmm. habits mm-hmm. are something you do all the time. So mm-hmm. that carves your shortest path. So it's going to be there like a default and like an automatic impulse. Okay. I got so, you. That makes sense. You know, you yell, I cuss. Because that's what I normally do. Like, <laughs> right. if, you know, I'm think about it. It's just like, oh, okay, woof. It comes out. Yep. Yeah, okay. You I got you. You think about it. You can't even catch it. You be like, oh, God, I already said <laughs> <laughs> Don't call on him now. 
Stop. Stop. <laughs> y'all messed okay. that all the way up, y'all. Y'all done heard me <laughs> quote that wrong the whole year. But okay. hey, I was close. I was yeah, close. You, you was kind of close. I was but I'm close. glad she was here. To, yeah, I'm glad she was here to clear it up for us. It, it makes way more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was lost <laughs> all year. Yeah. So, so how do you think? Or yeah, so how do you think we could kind of get rid of a lot of that stigma and and bring that awareness to people or help them find that awareness? Well, things like this, sharing, psychoeducation, mm-hmm. um, confronting the myths. Okay. Yeah, that's real big. Yeah. Providing like just safe space that are that you provide a open you can be open and not be worried about being judged or condemned or being treated differently. Okay. But awareness and psychoeducation are big and I also work in the school system as a school based therapist. Okay. Oh gosh. So between <laughs> so between, between staff and, and children and the impact of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like safe space is such a need right now. Okay. I can see that big time. Maybe my sister's in the school system. She's in education as well. And like the stories that she says and tells me about oh, it's real. what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's really real. real. Like it's 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 <laughs> I've not seen anything like it. It's a crazy time and she's up towards like the Greensboro area and, and it's Yeah. Crazy. It is definitely kids lost. The you do ability that to socialize, I do. Yeah, okay. They don't socialize. They fail behind in their academic performance. Like the uh, uprising kindergartners, like normally in pre-K, you know, they kind of start to learn to read. Like they are so behind wow. reading-wise. They don't know how to cope. Like it has been something. No impulse control. None. I mean, that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised to hear it. I mean, because yeah. like when I worked in you know, retail or whatnot, you had families come in and the kids, like, I know when I was younger, if I had to talk, my dad was like, speak up, you know, don't whisper. And it's like, mm-hmm. what, what, what do you want? And it's <laughs> right. like, I mean, none of them really know anything. Like it's, it's, it's sad to see. I was like, I can, I, I got friends that are teachers and they're always complaining about the kids. Well, not necessarily the kids, the environments the children mm-hmm. come from and things. So I can only imagine the stuff you hear and know. I'm like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> well, see, my thing is, I, I always wonder, like, we always talk about the economic and the those effects that COVID had. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk about the mental effects. Like, I used to laugh. People be like, because um, I'm in staffing. And one of the things that staffing was upset about the most was it's like, all these people, they don't want to work. They don't want no jobs. I hate COVID. I said, uh, I said, technically, I don't. I said, what COVID did was it woke up a lot of people. Now, we can't control how people react to certain things. So you're going to have people who try for PPP loans when they don't need it. But what about the people who did start a new business? This podcast was birthed out of COVID. It was him and uh, Ron did an episode together and one day he called me. Um, We was on the phone. Me and my 
Professor X self. <laughs> trying to figure out how to put people's talents together just to just to do something. Um and it was birthed out of that. And I tell her, it was like, I just hated these people are lazy. I said, I ain't gonna say that, because I'm gonna say this. It was a lot of businesses born during this time. Now whether they survive or fail, it's up to them, it's up to God, it's up to their work ethic. But that was a good, you know. When we don't think about it and then <clears throat> when everything started cranking back up, everybody's talking about the economy again. What about the mental part? Y'all not know a world was shut down for a, a world, not just your city or your town or your next door neighbor. Yeah. A whole world. And you were isolated. If people don't understand, we need each other. We need interaction with each other. We can't just be isolated and not speak with one another, not have that interaction. But we was forced to do that for the longest. Mm-hmm. So now when things pop back up, like she said, these kids don't know, they communication skills is shot. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, there was shot before that. Social media helped that. But I mean, it was just, it, it's funny that people don't look at that. That's why I feel like people don't take mental health, like, serious enough like they don't because things change but then you expect your mind to just stay the same all the time constant and it don't work that way so i will agree with you that a lot of the things that we suffer were here all along COVID just forced the awareness of but it also caused global traumatization and it forced a paradigm shift. And so statistically what you've seen, even with adults, like some of that, oh, people are lazy, that's really not lazy, that's numbness, or we call it fawning, like just being paralyzed and not knowing what to do. And then the numbers for depression and anxiety skyrocketed. Mm. So many people are on antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication, and there's nothing wrong with that if you need it, but because everything that they knew and trusted failed. Mm-hmm. So it forced them into a survival mode and they didn't know how to cope with it. And if you cut off no socialization, if you didn't have family, because, you know, there are people that committed suicide during COVID mm-hmm. because they got overwhelmed and they couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like suicide is, is crazy to me. It's just a... never understand how your mind could go there. But I... I just never did. So you know what's interesting about suicide is, and then a lot of people say that, but it's the fact that these people are in such a degree of hopelessness and emotional pain that they literally think the only way out is literally out. Mm -hmm. They just want to end the pain. Then they don't want to burden loved ones, and so they feel like they don't have a choice. And, And the wild thing about it, um, I've talked to some people um, who've had attempts. This particular one girl, she started an organization, but this girl had attempted suicide. Oh, my God. Like, I, nothing but God. Like, I don't even know why she lived in. Like, I mean, did some crazy stuff, like ran out in front of a semi trail truck. Mm-hmm. Like, drank poison. I mean. See, yeah, those are the things. <clears throat> crazy. But they all say the same thing. And you know, I even watched the documentary how, you know, a lot of them, they don't want to, like, some of that is just, that's their cry for help. But they all say some dark figure, something just automatically, like, just 
forces them to do it. And before they realize what they're doing, that they're already in action. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, because I've heard, I've spoke to people who have had those thoughts. And it's hard. I could talk to anybody about anything, I feel like. But that's one of those things where it's like when somebody come to me and say that, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to help mm-hmm. when I want to. You know what I'm saying? It's like because it's somebody that's close to you and you want to help with that. And there's already a stigma, a negative stigma behind seeking therapy or anything like that. And it's like, what do I do? You know what you do? You just hold the space. You don't try to fix it. You listen. Yeah. You validate their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then you ask them, is there anything you can do to help? And then if they feel, seem like they might be a little open, then you say, okay, let's try to go get you some resources. Okay. Yeah. All right. See, that's why she paid the big bucks. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, I would have messed that off. You would try to help. <laughs> hey, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, Are you crazy? You, know, you, you can listen, but then it's like when you listen... <laughs> You sometimes you feel like the person wants you to respond, and that's not always the case. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just really. But is it the person, or is it your or your uncomfortableness and your need to feel like you have to respond in that I think situation? It, I, I think that could be it too. Um, it's one of those like, um, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the way you can go about that. But I mean, it's, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I guess that. But, Possibly the human side of you is just it like, is. like I. She made me realize that when I, <laughs> I would talk about, I talk about my need to, because I, I always got this need to help, to, like I can save people, <laughs> but you can't. Um, I know when I worked at Coke and I was a rep, and you probably not heard this before. Be an active listener. Oh, Don't yeah. mean you're always gonna have the answer. Oh yeah, but listen. Some people just need you to listen. That's why I tell my mom all the time, like, "Mama, therapists are a gift from God because they can just listen." We don't understand how hard it is. Like you said, man, in my head, I was gonna try to give him an answer, try to get him up out of. Well, some of the stuff they be saying, he was like, <laughs> you, "Why? But why, you, why, are you think, why is that your thought process?" I never don't say that. Please don't say that. That's the like, one thing you don't say. I'm telling you. How do we get here? And can I off right? How do we get here? But can we also watch our body language? And our gestures, because your body language, your facial features, your tone <laughs> say a whole lot without you even using words. Okay. Because, no, no. like, this, just right now, you're like, what is oh, your yeah. thought oh, process? Exactly. Like, like, yep. So, if I'm already feeling bad, now I'm going to feel worse, because I'm like, oh, he, he think I'm... Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> and I've been told, like, everybody tells me, like, hey, man, your facial expression. <laughs> Say it for your mouth, like, dude. <laughs> like, hey, I'm, uh, that's just me. Uh, but, yeah, yeah you know, but hilarious. the crazy thing is a lot of a lot of my friends, I'm the one they won't call. I was like, y'all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you not, think that is? Why they won't call me? Mm-hmm. Um... Most of the time, I, I do just listen. I sit back and like, all right, you done? Uh, now, so 
I can over tell the you. phone is easier because I mean over the phone. You know, you know, you my face, I'm like, what is? You know what? <laughs> face to face, I mean that's that's a completely different story. Like I've I've been told, but it was like you know you 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 listen and I mean if they want advice, I try to give the best. I was like, I, or you know what I would do in the situation. Not that it's it's better, but I was like, hey, it's another way of looking at it. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know if I would. It's like y'all crazy if y'all calling me because stuff be going through my head when I be thinking about stuff. Mm-mm. I think people might call Mark if because he gonna give you like a real pragmatic, straight shot answer. Like he ain't dancing around the the BS. He gonna give it to you straight. So if they calling him, they need the straight answer. So you know what? So I can tell you exactly why they call you. Because you're going to be honest and you're not going to judge. And that feels safe. Okay. I mean, I can see that. I mean, because I am am honest. I was like, hey, you want to ask a question? (laughs) Just be prepared for the answer. (laughs) You're not asking a question you don't don't think you won't know the answer to because it's like, hey, you asked. I mean, I do the same thing. You know, I know the ones that I that that's gonna give you the the feedback you need versus I just want somebody to vent to. I'm like, I, I just need you to be on my side. You know what I'm saying? You got those friends to be like, mm-hmm. they gonna ride for me. And then you got the one that's like, oh, I already know what this dude's gonna say. <laughs> so I mean and that's the funny thing, like a lot of times, you know, you know the answer to it is just putting it into action. And I guess that's always been I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say my hang up with therapists or therapy, I should say, is that it's like eventually it's going to be up to me to put it into action. So and I know sometimes you get blocked from doing that. Now, why that's the reason, I guess that's what y'all help with. (laughs) Why can't I get up and do this? I mean, because like it's it's certain things like I, I guess the biggest thing for me is, you know, I read, I read a couple of self-help books and, you know, they like, hey, put your day out, journal and everything like that. And the times you do it, you can see a difference. But the frustrating this part is like, okay, I don't feel like doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so like, self-help what? is good, but you got to realize the self-help book has the same prescription for everybody, but everybody is unique. True. So we will not continue to do or maintain what does not benefit us. Mm. Dang, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to take a strategy from a self-help book, then you need to adapt it to what works for you. But see, that's the thing. Like, a lot of it did work. I just, it's just the... But you couldn't maintain it. Well, see, I, I felt like that was more so, like, let's say, for instance, everybody won't be rich until they find out what they got to do mm-hmm. to be rich, the work you got to put in. And you was like... Uh, maybe I don't want to do this. Right? So, uh, 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 it's it's one of those to where I guess the frustrating part is like you know you won't be great, but if that's what greatness takes, it's like do I really want to be great? You know what I'm saying? So then the therapist comes in and helps you to clarify. Mm-hmm. Well, is that what you really are shooting for? Is it great or an element of great that you've mistaken for great? Yeah. So what show I always say people you define your own success. What I choose to 
to shoot for in life is what I choose to shoot for. Um, now, am I saying being a millionaire is wrong? <laughs> no. I mean, I'd be kind of stupid to say that, but that ain't what I'm, that's not my focus. Um, that ain't what I consider to be great. Like I always tell y'all, I value relationships, words, she know that, words, I'm a big word person. I value all of that more than I do a dollar. It's so to me, I remember when I wrote my book and I um a little girl came up to me and she said, you know, you encouraged me to join a poetry club. I wasn't on Oprah's bestseller list or I wasn't on Steve Harvey sitting. Mm-hmm. But that meant more to me than anything. Because that's what I value. That's I deem that as greatness to me. Like Okay. She said, and what she kind of said, you reiterated. It. It's like, yeah, I did it. Up, you did it up to a certain extent, but then you just like, do I really want to do that? That fit your profile for that time being. So that's what she, you could maintain it because, yeah, that's what you want at that time. But is that what you want for longevity of life? Is that what your happiness? Is that where your happiness lies? I think a lot of times we try to search for happiness. <laughs> Money don't make you happy all the time. You know, that ain't always your end goal. Do you know what your end goal is? Like, as far as like. Not necessarily. I mean, got an idea. And that's that's part of the reason, you know, I got into the whole self-help, you mm-hmm. know, just trying to find. I was like, OK, I know you got to have a plan, but first you got to know what that plan is. I guess the frustrating part for me is like anything you do. It's the consistency, I think, that frustrated me the most. It's like, okay, if I want to get up at 5 and go to the gym, even though, you know, five days a week, I might get up one day that week and go at 5 in the morning. But I went all five days. But the frustrating part is, okay, I know I can get up and go at 5 if I needed to do that for something that I had. Do I have the discipline to continue to do the same thing, same same way every single time and I think mm-hmm. that's the process I like the struggle in it you know trying to find out you know okay what's going to work but at the same time you know I can see where okay this is not easy you know it's going to be days that you don't want to do it but if the discipline's not there that's when you kind of fall by the wayside and it's like ah, oh, this is really not for me when it is for you you just can't get over that mental block like get up and go it's, I mean because once you get in there it's not bad but I mean it's you gotta have clear mind and you just gotta have a plan to, to execute it and then when the execution's out there that's the uh, I mean because it's I ain't go to the gym today why not because no reason and all the time I ain't do nothing else during that little time why didn't you go don't know so yeah, it's that's I think the discipline side of it is is the most frustrating part. So. All right, well let's switch gears for a little bit and just kind of go in a slightly different direction. So in the black family, 
Y'all have to excuse me. There is an audition next door, so y'all might hear some some noise in the background. <laughs> so yeah, we got an audition next door, so please excuse any background noises y'all hear. But um, hopefully, I can maybe try to cut it out. But it's all good. Um, so we've talked about families and, and black communities and stigma and all the different nuances of of therapy and things like that but we've talked about a lot that it takes a village to raise a family now or it always has and I think it still should but it's kind of gotten away from it in my opinion Um, for various reasons we talked about it quite a few times we've talked about a little bit before the pod started today Um, what do you what is your take and experience with like the it takes a village concept um it definitely was prevalent in the past and i also think it's still relevant okay for today because first of all we can't all be every place at the same time mm-hmm. so um your village it's, it may start with your family mm-hmm. and then expand expand to friends or Neighbors or role models or Definitely. social networks, mm-hmm. and but all of those contribute a unique piece in your journey, a unique part of your development because you're functioning with those people in different capacities. Mm-hmm. So they meet different needs. Some of that may be promoting some self awareness, right? Some of that okay. may be forcing you to confront some things that you didn't know or that you kind of try to slide by and skip by you know what I'm saying I mean so it's all relevant Um, it's kind of like you know we need each other because like he said earlier uh, it's just human nature we need connection and we Mm. need a sense of belonging if you take a baby and a baby is separated from his mom or you take a child and the child does not have a solid attachment they will stop thriving. And if they're isolated long enough, they will die because humanity requires connection and belonging. That's deep. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. And I, you know, just I, in my opinion, I don't know. I just feel like in African-American culture, um, it's the family holds a higher position. In, in other cultures. Um, the only reason I say that is two reasons. Um, one, just from life experiences, I always tell a story about my grandma Bert and how they moved down here from South Carolina. And they basically had their site. They were their selves and we just was incubated in this. Mark knows, didn't run all of us. We all stay around each other. It was incubated in this community of families everywhere, and it, it, and that's what they had when they moved down here. That's all they had. Mm-hmm. And then I always think of that, and then I think about, you know, when the um, when when we came across the seas and boats, um, just to know, you know, you with your family, but once we got over here, we were separated from each other. Um, and we don't have heard these stories, probably fake Hollywood stories. I don't know who's going to be allowed to tell you that I fall our way back to get to my family stories. I don't, 
I don't know, but it makes a good story because at the end of the day, in Africa, we were in tribes. And, and we, the tribes, was our, that's our family. We, we had our tribes. Um, and that's just how we were always brought up in, in African America, like in Africa, and our heritage. It's family. It's, it's, and I feel like it just holds a bigger position, but I feel like we don't kind of lost it a little bit. Yeah. So your family, oh gosh, that's kind of touchy too, because families can be good and families can be negative. <laughs> where you come from yeah. but ideally <clears throat> you know your family is a safe space they influence your mindset they help you establish your values they help define your beliefs I mean because I'm sure all of you can think about family traditions um, I know Paul you and I have talked about you know being raised by your dad who was a pastor and how much you know faith is such an instrumental part yeah. of your life Um so they, the family established like your sense of family and structure, right? So now what does that do for you? That influences your concept of self, first of all. And then how you interact with other people. Um, it can be your biggest support system or it can be your worst source of pain. Because all families aren't healthy families. Uh, they can teach you, sure. families teach us how to survive. Now, again, you can have healthy coping skills and unhealthy coping skills, but but the objective is the same. You survive. Now, hopefully you can learn better ways if you've got some negative habits, but that's what family teaches you, like how to survive, whether it's negative or positive, right? Um, I could tell you some stories about some kids, and it's remarkable some of the things kids have engineered to be able to navigate their situations. Um, and as a race... Because of shared experience, like slavery and being kind of torn apart, then we we have this kind of unspoken expectation to see each other as extended family. Okay. Right? So, yeah. I, um, oh my God, in the past year, I have had, I remember when I first started therapy, I didn't get a lot of African Americans, mm -hmm. male or female. Mm. And then I got a female and she said, listen. I don't think you know what a commodity you are. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, because first of all, this is rare. And I am in a group of black professional women mm -hmm. and they want somebody that looks like them. They want somebody that can understand their experience. And it's just not a lot of you around. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, really? Uh, she was like, yeah. And so I wasn't getting males at that time at all. And then maybe eight months later, I got an African-American male, and I was mm. stoked. Like, right, right. this is great. This is like, yeah. <laughs> what made you come in here? So, Because that was an education for me as well. But again, it's that unspoken, nobody has to say to me anything about hair. Like, one girl started her dread journey. Like, mm. that's just an unspoken thing, you know? Right. And then she would tell me. She had gone to therapy. She had gone to some Caucasians there, but she was like, I don't want to try to have to explain that. And then some of them wind up being ticked <laughs> off because right. now you're trying to act like you know, but you don't know because you've right. not experienced what I've experienced. Right. So um, that's why family plays a crucial role. Yeah, because it's, it's, you're right. Um, I did um, have a question from from a source. 
And he had asked, you know, when, when there's dysfunction in your family, should you go away from the dysfunction or should you stay and try to work it out because it's family? So then I'm going to say, first of all, we need to clarify, are we talking about dysfunction or are we talking about just disagreement? Because that's different. Mm-hmm. How do you dis- discern the difference between disagreement and dysfunction? Disagreement means maybe we have different opinions, but we still have a, a decent open relationship and we can communicate and we can agree to disagree. Dysfunction means that you have some distortions, your behaviors are not um, appropriate or they inflict some type of harm or stress and that's dysfunction and it's a cycle that keeps being perpetuated. So that's dysfunction. Oh. Yeah, I was about to say that seemed like it would be like a habitual thing that would yeah. just keep over and over. Yeah. See, I got that on both sides of my family. I'm saying I'm closer to my mom's side than my father's side, but my grandfather died two years ago. It was a lot of dysfunction because mm. it's it's six of them. Okay. On my grandfather's side. Between all of them, none of them can agree to disagree to actually what he was going to wear, what he was going to do with that, who was going to get what, all this. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying I had to deal with that on that side. That's why I don't really deal with my father's side like that because me and my father don't really have that connection like we should. He was there, but he wasn't there. So I'm more or less on my mom's side. So that's why I say I can deal with it on both sides. Like I told him before when we was talking, I'd separate myself from it. But if you need me, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm saying because that's family and, you know, that's all we got is family. So I'm there, but I distance myself from it because mm-hmm. I know you got this one doing this, this one doing that. And then, like, now you like, who doing what? What? Okay, I don't know which avenue to go to because... You said this, that one said that. Now I'm back over here. It was, so that was a lot of dysfunction in that aspect. Okay, so that's so many different things. <laughs> when she writes stuff, this is like a ding from God. Ain't it right? It's like a little message yeah, that comes from God. Yeah, little, uh, little, I just hear things and I'm like, oh. She had to, she had to tell me. Because <laughs> I'm telling y'all, the first time I sat down, she was just like, look. Cause first of all, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to find a therapist that knew God like that. And I'm, I thank God for that. But she was like, it's like I get a little instant message from God. Yeah. And I just start right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I tell people. I be like, I got mail. Just go and get mail. Now, I will not force you to add mail. I will say, do you want the mail? And if yeah. you say yes, then I will share you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, going back to what you said about learning. So, first of all, it is human nature to self-preserve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, First of all, you got to be aware enough to know like what's good for you and what's not good for you. So if you realize that that is a stressor for you, it is it is absolutely okay right. to put some boundaries, trend word for the year, in place, right? So that because boundaries a keep you safe, keep other people safe, and it also sets expectations mm-hmm. and it teaches people how to treat you. Right. Right. So that's first and foremost. Okay, and then secondly, oh, when we talk about like a whole like family and multiple generations perpetuating those same habits of dysfunction, mm-hmm. if you're at a place where you're aware enough and you're healed enough, then it's trying to understand the why. Because here's something that people do not believe, but I promise you it is absolutely true. Every behavior is indicative of an unmet need. Mm-hmm. 
and people don't know what their need is and maybe some people don't even know they have a need but that is what it is so when I hear you talk about that side and them all arguing and they can't come together that tells me that that side has a history of not feeling heard or feeling valued well I'm saying that's true because like I said I didn't really deal with my father's side because my father didn't really deal with me Mm-hmm. So when I did deal with him, you know, I was like the distant mm-hmm. grandson, cousin, whatever, mm-hmm. because I'm from the Greensboro area. That's where my my daddy side and all that stuff that way. Mm-hmm. But my mama moved me down here, and you know, my daddy wouldn't really deal with me and my sister that we had the same mother. But I have three other sisters that have different mothers, but he dealt with them. Mm-hmm. So that kind of put a chip war between me and him. As far as, you know what I mean, you don't really have nothing to do with me, but you got my sisters, my other sisters. Mm. So that kind of distanced me and my sister has here because, like I said, we was here, they there. They with him for the most part, but we're not. But that was a choice that he made because he didn't want to help or he didn't have my other family on his side to help with the situation that was going on at the time frame. So that's why I say, like, I... I can get it on both sides because I'm saying the family here, you know what I mean? I'm really close with, we talk all the time, whatever, whatnot. But that side, I really don't have that communication with because, like I said, they feel like I'm a distant nephew, grandson, whatever, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't there, as they would put it. That's like a fault on my on me or my mother's behalf. But mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. my father could have came to get us the same way that he got my other sisters. So... So projection is often a unhealthy coping skill people use to avoid taking ownership. Mm-hmm. They want to blame other people. And I'm saying I, my, my father did my mother like that. It's your act. And then see, I was I had just turned 18. So me and him had a falling out because you're not going to disrespect my mama telling her it was her fault when you could have did it yourself. But you was too busy doing your own thing. So like I said, but now we have an understanding. We, we get along. I don't talk to him as often, but. I still talk to him, you know what I mean? I just got married. He came to my wedding and stuff like that. But we have a communication or a line of communication where he understands where I'm coming from because I had to set that boundary. I'm not going to let you think you can tell me what I can and can't do now. I'm a grown man. I grew up without you. I'm doing fine. I'm saying I could be better. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I had to learn from other family members how to become a man so I was like mm-hmm. and he understand it now though like I said me and him have a fairly decent relationship now but you at know, that time frame it was hard though and then cause we was talking earlier cause the same person asked that question he he also asked um, is accountability important um, and I explained to him I said well basically the lack of accountability what dysfunction is a byproduct of that lack of accountability. When you project and pan other things off on other people because you don't want to take ownership, like it's, I, that causes dysfunction sometimes in families, man. Like, and I try to be big about it now. Um, after I went to therapy, I, you know, I told myself I want to be accountable for certain things. So that way, if I'm accountable for it, I can know. You know, that's something I need to work on. I mean, I remember when my first time, after my first, uh, my first um, session, I came in on the second session, y'all. I swear, I was like, yeah, I'm a fix. I can fix this. <laughs> and she was like, 
you ain't fixing nothing yet. <laughs> like, I, was, I, I thought I was like, I got this. I'm about to change all this. All this going to go away. But it was really more of a, I just want to take accountability so I know. It gives me a starting point. Right. You know, I think sometimes in dysfunctional families, you don't, you don't got a starting point. Mm-hmm. Your dad, you ain't have one because he ain't want to take responsibility. So he didn't even know where to start from. Just like you said, um, I've heard many people say, well, you know, I tell my dad he ain't been around. So we got to start from here. Right. I don't need you to go back and be daddy uh, now. Daddy now. Mm-hmm. But we can build a different type of relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a starting point because now that father has taken accountability for, all right, I ain't been there. I wasn't there. But I do want something, a resemblance of something with you. Um, but I, he asked, the guy was like, well, is there is accountability important? So I, so I would say, first of all, you have to distinguish the difference between acknowledgement and accountability. Mm-hmm. Because what your last statement was, that was indicative of acknowledging. Like saying, you know what, I don't want you to go back and try to fix what's already happened. I just want you to be present now. But I do want to acknowledge that, you, that you're saying like you dropped the ball. May move on. Then we talk about making the differentiation between or help and understanding that whatever somebody does or doesn't do, we, we can't control other people's behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So at this point, making sure that you don't let somebody's choice impact your identity and your worth. And then as far as personal accountability, you know, we got some steps. Number one, we have to be aware first of all, that there's something going on. And then number two, we have to be willing to acknowledge that. And when we can get past that, we can accept it, and then we can decide how we want to act on it. Okay. I might need to write that down. <laughs> that's that's why we recording it. Hey, hey, I just go back, go back and run it back. Ain't no 50, time. 50, 50 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. That's good though. I mean, because, like you said, like we said before, like that's why we do this so people can have that to go back to later on. It's like, all right, I remember he said something that really hit. I can't remember what it was. So it's like the black therapy. One, two, three. We keep doing these series. So hopefully, people like her that are a commodity in that community in our community can flourish and those other people that are on the receiving end can also flourish and knock down those boundaries as well Mm -hmm. so like we was talking about fathers and what do you what's your opinion on the father's importance in the African American family you know I you know since the Bible we know that a lot of times the way to cut down a generation is through their youth, right? So there's systems in place um, in America. You could, I don't know about any other place in the world. I can only talk about what I see. <laughs> but in America, there's systems set up where it take fathers out of the homes, um, you know, and it, you know, like the Reagan drug era, um, scheduling the marijuana as a class I don't forgot what class it is but it's in the same class as heroin um, 
and it was purposely done that way because of the, it was it was viewed as a minority thing. Um, so a lot of the fathers got incarcerated, and, and yeah, some of the fathers just was bad fathers. <laughs> but the what do you feel is the importance level of African American fathers in the homes? I mean, men definitely play a critical role. I think. Some of the systemic and societal ills that you've spoken about that have helped contribute to their absence, you know, those are like indirect ways for people and and, uh, organizations who are threatened by a black man knowing and reaching his potential. Right. Mm -hmm. It covertly um, is a way to exercise mind control. Mm -hmm. Right. So. These type of covert and oppressive tactics. This is what has helped perpetuate black masculinity. Men feel like they have to be a certain way because if not, these type of things are going to happen to them. Then, so like when you talk about media, news, and society, they mask it and they poise it as safety, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is what it looks like to the general public, so that. It's creating this subliminal mental construct. So a construct is kind of like scaffolding or a framework. And so why does it matter? Because that influences how you see yourself, how you relate to others, how you relate to your environment. And so it pushes stereotypes and then it allows societal norms to suppress and eliminate the threat. It is really, if you think about it, hidden embedded propaganda. Right, mm-hmm. that the systems are uh, perpetuating. Now, when you talk about the absence of the father from the family, it changes the order. It changes the role of the family unit. That will cause the children and the mother to function in roles that they are not equipped for. And then women are forced to function as the head of household. And then that unconsciously causes them to lose the softness of their femininity. <laughs> He done been preaching that for the, for the longest. And look, and I, I mean, and that's true. Like, if you think parenting is made for two, is the development of a child. I know I, I took a little bit of psychology, and, and a child is a blank canvas. You're blank. It's only thing you know is being happy and hungry when you come at your mama. You you are blank. Um, but the weight of this world and the things that we go through growing up, it takes two. So when you make a mother, like she said, the mama has to, she has to do it all. Oh, I ain't going to lie. There's some fathers who took the single dads. But either way it go, they have to do it all when it's supposed to be it's a job for two. You know, um, some of that is by choice. What you mean? I mean, like all the stuff you see. I mean, uh, like I feel like in our country, not to get off subject, but we do a lot of bashing back and forth. You know, black Come men on. bash black women, vice versa. Women and men bash, right? Uh, but you know, and I have friends that are. You know, not with, you know, the mother of their children and and things of that sort. And it's not, it's because the relationship didn't work out. You know, it's, you get into, well, 
I don't like this, I don't like that, and then some kind of way you break up. Now, you're paying child support, you don't get to see your child, and you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I think it's, some of it is, like y'all were talking about earlier, not being accountable for your actions. Yeah, and then, you know, I was talking to my mama last night, and she was like, yeah, you need to talk about it. Ask her about, you know, back in the day, the men, yeah, they was a, they was a piece of work, you know. They, they might they partying, cheating, drinking. <laughs> they came back home. I'm like, oh, what? I said, no. I said, maybe that's why. Oh, I said, don't. I said, mama, don't. Don't, don't. Don't forget. We are are a learned species, so it, things get passed down. Yeah, it can get progressive, but just like if somebody tell a story to you, then I go, by the time it get to the end of the line, it probably got progressive to worse. You probably done died uh, <laughs> 12 times over. That's not what we were talking about. But see, How did you get that message? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I said, but mom, maybe, you know, y'all, y'all out here talking about that. I said, but that's not good. I understand, you know, and that's my thing too. I think too to stick by your, the stick by your man. It costs, it costs some things. Mm. Do you agree? I like. Well, I mean, I think this is, this is loaded too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I'm gonna challenge you to to dig deep. Okay, even with your example of like bashing, if you really just step back for a minute, it is again systemically implanted. That's all I've been saying for how long? (laughs) How long I've been saying? Because because a house divided (laughs) can't stand, right? So if you've already been isolated and you are only amongst yourselves and then now you don't have the ability to communicate you don't know how to have relationships because we have some absenteeism going on mm-hmm. so now what's going to happen so now I, the only thing I know to blame is what's in front of me because I don't have that awareness when you talk about fathers not being there for children Right when they start getting locked up and they get falsely accused, that image gets perpetrated through the media. Now we get some transgenerational trauma. The dad can't be present if he's locked up, or he's got to work extra hard to support the family. Then he's becoming traumatized. He's not aware he's traumatized. Then the dehumanization caused by the institution of slavery. Listen, that perpetuated across generations, even yeah. to the day. You've got the operalization of white supremacist mentality to force compliance. How do they do that? Torture, brutality, separation, oppression. So all these gestures, all these subtleties communicate the need to keep people under control. One of the easiest ways to control people is to divide them. To scatter them, yeah. right? So, if the, and if the leader is gone, the head is gone. Everything else gonna fall everything apart, fall right? Off. And that's it, it, that's exactly what that's kind of what I've been it. saying. Like, like, it's, 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 <laughs> like, I just don't understand why people. I'm like, oh, it's because they're so absorbed in surviving. 
because you talk because everybody didn't get raised in a culture in an atmosphere to to take a step back and look or to talk or how to actively listen or to see like separate the the stress the stressor and the antagonism from the fact and the need mm-hmm. they didn't yeah, yeah. and I, I mean and and, and even <laughs> and even when we was talking earlier and I said that you know, just because somebody might, or we think that they have all the resources, all the information, all the the means, like cell phones, like you can get, you can find out anything on this now. You know what I'm saying? You, all you gotta do is just Google it. But you can't make that decision if you in that system that's got you running in a circle. And that's true. And I and I. I told them, uh, um, you know, I, I don't go, I ain't gonna lie, I shoot stuff out at the barbershop when we do podcasts, just, just see how people talk. But I told them, I said, you know, it's funny. Um, the internet is the internet and we can't find anything on there. You can find anything. If I wanted to find something to say, the earth is flat There's somebody That's going to say The earth is flat If I want to say The earth is round Somebody's going to say It's round Probably if I say If the earth is square so You're going to find that But if your base Is not strong That's when you Are a leaf Blowing in the wind You're just going From side to side You can never pick a side There's no side To be had It's like I feel you Because I be like Man I wish it just changed. Just like I told you, I said, I'm gonna fix this. But you can't. No, and I'll be, and I'll be honest, I'll I don't be wanting to be a pessimist. Like, I'll be telling people, like, somebody asked me, because they know I'm a Kanye West fan, and I still am. I don't care. My boy going a little off on the rocket, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, that rocket chair broke. <laughs> hey, whatever. <laughs> but I he is, he is, hey, he got some right. Hey, my dog, though, but that rocket chair broke. But, Somebody said, well, he said he wants a utopia. I said, well, that's one thing I do not agree with him on. I don't think there will ever be one because in my mind, you it's about life is a balance. Um This whole world is a balance. It's a whole if, if good and evil. If God is what we say God is, and he's a God of freedom of choice, you can choose to hate or you can choose to that's going to always be there. That's my, that's a, but the thing we was talking about earlier was, I, I, you know, somebody if somebody come to you because what they're going to do is come to you with them. Well, Paul, if you believe that, then why am I fighting? Why am I even trying to make myself better? Why am I even trying to change the situation I'm in? I'll be stuck. But one thing I can tell him is just keep fighting, brother. That's all I know to take. I'm going I'm gonna I said I'd rather keep fighting than to lay down. I just rather I will. Well, first of all, because if somebody comes to you like, hey, because you get to choose your quality of life. No. You may cannot change like some 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 systemic things, but you can change how you respond, mm-hmm. which can change how you perceive things. Right. Right. For sure. And then, like, the danger of, like, yes, the internet is great. Everything has its place. <laughs> but too much of anything is dangerous. Yes. Because when you start just getting, like, information and you don't have, or quote, trying to gain knowledge and you don't have understanding, 
It's just information Mm -hmm. and information in the wrong hands or without a lack of an understanding can cause more harm than it can good. That's true. That's true. We have said that before. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a difference between information. What do we say? Information and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is when you know, ain't it like when you know how to apply it and it's it's yeah. applied. Mm-hmm. Information is just data. It's just data right? facts. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that there's no great. application. Yeah, there's no yeah, application yeah. to it. Exactly. And I think that's what's scary for our young people because they're in this. Look, we all in this room said maybe your daughter because she ain't that old. You ain't had to live through AOL dial up. <laughs> Did you? Oh man, what is you doing? You ain't getting nothing no better than dial up. We had dial up. It didn't exist. What you talking about? Right. I mean, I I but go with the time. We had. Right. He said, you "Like you had a choice." I was like, "No, no, no." She's looking young. But oh. it's it's like we we live through that. But now they don't. Everything is instant, instant, instant. gratification. So if. For instance, this is one of cuz pain points. Social media, right? So in viewing a relationship with someone, I don't know how to say it, but it to me, I hate I think social media is a poison to relationships. I just do. Because when you get to the point where you have a disagreement, right? These young people today don't know. See, we couldn't sit up there. You have disagreement with your girl back in the day, back in my grandpa in them day. Shoot, you got to write letters and stuff. <laughs> you could, it ain't no, I can get on there, put a thirst trap pickup, <laughs> and well, then get emotions. like 500 dudes. <laughs> like your yeah, like my, so you, you have issues in your relationship <laughs> right now. Because I heard you talking about it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> now you done removed all your photos. I'm like, oh, oh man. You know, and this is sad, but it's scary because they don't know, like they don't have that, and like it, it creates this false sense. Even when um, that's just trivial, but even when it breaks down to like when something and just happens to a little young black boy or or a black girl, social media causes us to become desensitized to it. They mm-hmm. become a hashtag, mm-hmm. and after the hashtag. It'll last for one new cycle, and then to the next. here come another. Propaganda. That's the that's the mind control. That's the brainwashing. That's the shifting of your constructs and your paradigm at a global level. You know, social media oh, again, good and evil of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but if you think about it, social media actually creates an alternate reality. Yeah. Mm. Definitely, it do. We said that. like it's a whole nother world that people step in, and then it's not realistic. And then people think they can yeah. take what they've learned <laughs> in social media and just yeah. pour it over here in real life. And then when it doesn't work like the real, they're yeah. like, "What happened?" But then they don't know. <laughs> they don't know what to do, right? Because again, it also depersonalizes people, right? Because really. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now we get to do things through a screen. And put a filter on it. <laughs> somebody sound like I ain't trying to. <laughs> but I don't say somebody sound like that damn blue or something. Oh, <laughs> I just 
<laughs> but see, that's it's not the real. Thing. It's not real. We live through pictures. <laughs> like we live through. I I remember going to the store getting a little fun share camera, and we would have to get the camera. You take the the clicks and run out. Yeah. Then yeah. you had to go take it, get it developed. <laughs> now the young people, you pull out your phone. I, I knew this one girl. She used to work for me. She had 400 pictures of herself. I said, <laughs> I ain't going to say the N word. I'm about to. See, we got professional <laughs> here, so I ain't going to do it. And my mama told me last night, y'all, she said, y'all like listening y'all, but y'all, y'all a little too raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting this link. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm like. It's now it's like everybody, if, if I if I go to a concert, you don't even see people enjoying the music because they like this. Yeah. Trying to be. I was like, did y'all just see? I'm like, my man. So what do y'all think that is? What, why, what do you think the phone or social media does for people? Why is there such a draw? It makes them feel important. Yeah. I mean, if you got followers, you post this picture. Ooh, you watching the little likes button. I got 500 likes. I and like it's it because so, if I follow you, all I did was that. I ain't even look at it. I'm just trying yeah. to get through. It was like, oh, <laughs> you might have got a yeah. like, but I really didn't see it. So. so this goes back to that need for significance and acceptance and connectivity and belonging. So it gives me this false sense of worth and security. So then you have people commit suicide because all of a sudden their social media number. What? Like. Yeah, I mean, and that happens. Because all it sounds of wild, but it's, it's real. Yeah, Dude, I watched uh, memes or bullies. Netflix. Yeah, they, they got mm-hmm. one called uh, what was it? A social experiment, and it talks about yeah. the creators who created. And these these fools sitting there talking about some. Yeah, well, I, we didn't think of what would happen if we put a little heart on here, and then you could put, you know, just hit the heart, and it, and then it shows somebody that you liked it. We didn't think about that. I was like, how? <laughs> what do you, like, smart human beings are. have, yeah, <laughs> human beings don't show you. We are, we're simple. carnal beings. We're simple. We want, like, we want to know we belong. So, you know, a person who has self-esteem issues, which in all honesty, if people want to be honest, everybody has them some ways, fashion or yep. form somewhere. That is going to, it's going to play into it. Like, in this weird, they was just like, yeah, we didn't think of it. Y'all are tech geniuses and billionaires. Well, I guess you but just said it. They tech there's geniuses. Pain, there's, <laughs> there is money and pain. So y'all ain't worried about it because it's going to keep paying y'all. It's just, you know it. And they talking about, well, we gonna, we thinking about reforming. No, you're not. Because it's like. I think social media is like a drug now to society. They too far, yeah. Oh, there's a there's a a real diagnosis in the in, yes in it's the manual. Be, uh, yeah, mm. right, my, one of my For daughters is like that. Social media addiction, go, yeah. That, that mug yeah. will not put not know that. at all, at all. Yep. That was on that uh, Netflix show. What is mm-hmm. if it's the same one where they yeah, were sitting? Where he, at, she put that box at the table. So and they, they put the yeah, ball in the it, box. It was a whole family. Crack that thing. Yeah. It um in, on brain scans, it impacts the same part of your brain in the reward center like any other drug. Wow, that's crazy. I think I saw I, I saw something 
don't know if it was on YouTube or something like that. Well, I might have to tell my stepdaughter that. <laughs> so it's up there with like drugs and yeah. gambling and stuff. It is. It is. There's a diagnosis that it says it's an addiction. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense. Sense. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a hundred percent sense. Somebody making the money. Yeah. So <laughs> for with sure. social media, um, all the systemic things, the fathers not being there, um, the mothers carrying a different load. Um, what do you think that role plays with like the little boys? Well, hold on, let me but let me add this though. With you have the original father out there, but you got a man that's willing to be there as their father. Well, yeah, how, how would you family. go about that, or what right. would you be able to tell them in that aspect? Because I have that. I don't have any children of my own, but I have five. I've been married before. I have two. My ex-wife, she had two, but I consider them mine. And my wife now, she has three, and I consider them to be mine. Mm-hmm. I'm saying at the end of the day, I know your father's still there, but. I want to be there to give you that male role model that I didn't have as far as my father when I was coming up. So what would you want to, what could you say or what What you think that, how you feel about that situation? Because like I said, you got some that is there, but you ain't my daddy, I ain't got to listen to you type thing. But then you got the ones that will actually listen, but still have that wherewithal in the back of their mind, like you say, body language. Get you, you know. <laughs> So, you know, it's two different things. So I think first and foremost, you and your partner need to sit down and have a conversation and come to an agreement on what your role is going to be. Like, because, you know, some people get married and don't have these conversations, Mm -hmm. right? They just think that it's understood. Well, to that point, before we got married, they had took it upon themselves to call me Pops. That's okay. what they call me, Pops. Okay. They say I'm they Pops, even though they got, but I'm just saying in yep. general, not my situation, but yeah. people, other men that's out there, because like I said, they respect me. They catch their attitudes and yep. they know the, what the deal is on that aspect. But I was just saying in general, other men yep. that is in the situation that I'm in, but, you know, they respect me. They, they Pops, you, you know, yep. I mean, something go wrong. They call me, they call her. But like I said, it's just I want to in general men that's out there that don't have that Mm -hmm. so again I think you still got to get the understanding because like some women will be like they just assume right and then Mm -hmm. there's certain things then all of a sudden you find out while you're in the middle of it there's certain things they're okay with and some things they're not but you Mm -hmm. didn't know that because it was just like a blanket understanding then after that I think you talk to the child and you just say hey I'm not trying to replace your father but I do want to play an active role in your life how would you like me to do that and then you can share like what you feel like your role should be or what you guys agree on as a family of what that's going to look like so it may be you know he has just as much right to correct you as I do or you know whatever yeah, I mean, blended families is something that this generation, like I'm in a, I'm in a blended family situation. I can say, like their dad is, he's a great, he's a good dad to him. Like I, I done met him. He cool to me. Um, we talk, but it's, it is true. Like yeah, I, I done heard people have so many different stories on like the blended family side. Like, yeah, they ain't never gonna look at you like a father. They ain't gonna. They might say it, but then when you and her fall apart, they ain't gonna talk to you. But then I heard people say, "Well, me and my girl broke up. I'm still like a father than them." Mm-hmm. I- and what I would caution 
other men in similar situations uh, about to just kind of be aware of is what is that child's relationship or lack of relationship with their other father? Because understand, children to up to a certain age do not have the ability to identify and express emotions, mm-hmm. right? They just project. And so they will project whatever feelings they have toward their biological father on to the man that's coming in to play the male role model. And the funny thing with that is my older stepdaughter, she has a little girl. She calls me pops as well because she don't know her, her real father. Me and my, my wife now, we've been together three years. So I'm saying I pretty much, after she was a year old, me and her been together. So that's what she, like you said, she thinks, mm-hmm. oh, that's my pops. But she still calls me papa, but right. that's my that's my pops. She yeah. don't know her mm-hmm. father like that. I'm saying right. he did, he'll call it once in a while, but as far as they're like meeting him, she wouldn't know if he was sitting right there. She wouldn't know that. And you know, I, we always talk about this. Why are you on here? I want to talk about it too. Like, we say little girls need their fathers to teach them what a good man, a real man is. Mm-hmm. And a little boy needs his mama to teach them uh, what a good woman or how a woman should be. Do you, what's your opinion on that? I don't want to limit it to a mom or a dad. Like, by default, you would think, well, yeah, because that's your immediate family. But it can be just a positive woman, a positive male. It may not be the mom Mm -hmm. or the dad. And that's what I mean when I say that. When I've said it so many times, it's like uh, uh, that female figure in a man's life should, should always be there because... I mean, there's so many relationships to get broken off men choosing the wrong women. Women. <laughs> I, 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 see how I pause and let yeah, it go ahead and yeah, get yeah, it yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that women should, you know, if they're if you're raising sons or you see, you know, you have friends that, you know, have sons, they should tell them this is what you look for in a woman. This is not what you look for in a woman. And the same thing on the other side. So it's like. But here's the thing. Like, if you've got a female that's broken and she don't know she broke. Yeah, that part too. Then what that's what we were talking about earlier. You don't know what you don't know. Right? But it's not healthy. That's true. And then that's another thing. We got to like delineate between good and healthy. Woo. Dang. <laughs> so another one. So if <laughs> so you know they be like, you know, uh why why do it seem like like the female would choose a man who ain't right boy? The they choose the bad guy because they say it's more they're more that it gives them more security. The, okay, define bad guy. Okay. The Drug, they the drug dealer, the, dope, the, the dope boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever you want, the swag guy. Swag. Everything that you like. Whatever. Or yeah. even even they don't from that. Want the square. They don't want the yeah, square. The rock or even the rock that, star, yeah. the, the, not the square. Or they the choose Russell. the dude who got the most money. Ain't got nothing to do with the personality or did, did 
is he got money he can provide for uh, oh man so okay at, at the basic level mm-hmm. every woman is innately designed to want to be protected just like every man at a base level is designed to provide to protect so that's just your nature right okay so, yep, she's going to be like, oh, because she she can see. Now, she don't know, like, this all might be perpetration, right? <laughs> but because if I don't have relationship skills, I'm not going to know that. I'm just going to go by what I see. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, look, I know, I, hey, <laughs> I know what I'm attracted to is not right. <laughs> I already know that. I will admit that I'm like... I already know this ain't gonna work out because I'm attracted to you. you know? Oh man! <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. I'm like, oh, man. and it also goes back to um, nurturing and belongingness and connectivity, right? Feeling valued. Um, so I want somebody that looks like they have the potential to protect me, to provide for me. But again, if I don't know what the components are for a healthy relationship and I don't realize it's important to be able to communicate, I just think, you know, if I got the <laughs> right motion in the ocean, it's going to be okay or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yep. So, because again, I can only do what I know, and I'm and what I'm going to do is what I've learned that works for me. So, if my value is wrapped up in my Coke bottle shape, then that's what I'm going to use. If my, my <laughs> value, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying that's it. So, but if I didn't learn a healthy relationship and know that, oh, I thought because now we so now we have to go into nuts and bolts. Like, what's the difference between? Oh, he's attracted to me. Or he values me. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Because a lot of women don't know. You know, there are some women that don't know the difference. They think if this person is attracted to me, they value me. That's not the tr- that's not necessarily the case. I see you at nighttime. What? The right? You got to keep on moving. <laughs> <laughs> if I take you out during the day, it depends on time of day yeah. and how long you stay. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, so. Oh, man. That, those type of things, like just not knowing, like what is value. And then I don't care whether you're male or female. If you don't value yourself, no other Thank relationship Lord. is going to work. If you don't yeah. even know who you are, because most people who come see me, Paul, and I did what you do. First yep. thing I'm going to say is, do you know who you are? And Almost everybody gonna say they'd be like, "Yes, I'd be I like." I told mm-hmm. you, yeah. Okay. My answer would have been no. Honestly, like, well, really, mine was a. Uh, well, you are uh, clearly the outlier. Yeah, because <laughs> mine was a halfway. Because I then once she read me, then I couldn't say nothing. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> I went home. I told my mama, I said. It's so sad. I'm forty some years old. Didn't even know who I was. Oh man. She said, "What?" I said, "Yeah." But it is, but I'm way. telling you about, and I and I put the disclaimer. Out. I said, "Listen, I'm gonna give you this sheet. These are things everybody need to know. Do not feel bad Mm-mm. when you cannot answer these questions, because about 98 percent of the people cannot answer the question. I believe it. Okay. I believe it. For real. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, it's like, man, you don't really, and some some people think they, um. They love themselves 
predicated on a part of social media because I got like, see, this is my thing. A woman can look at she throw a picture out there, and right, she's just like, I know I'm beautiful. You know why? Because this is. You took well, you took, times. You, you took, took a, pictures. So do you so you need this is what I had to learn. This is one of my this is one of my therapy things. I my value ain't given from the outside. My value is from within me. So if I gotta take a picture to feel like, or is that that's my validation of value, then I don't value myself. That's why somebody asked me, you don't never put nothing on, uh, you don't take a lot of pictures. I said, no, because I don't care. <laughs> I care less. I said, it, it, it don't, it doesn't create any value. In, 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 and I, I had to learn. I told, I told, I, I got my, I still got my postcard. Oh, by the way. Good. Like, <laughs> see, I'm still a good student. So, but I still got my postcards, and it's, I read them from time to time. Because you do need that. I still got to be reiterated because I ain't perfect. Wait, so. what's the postcard? So, you ain't just going to skip over that. You ain't just going to skip over that. Some, some of her. Got a mail I got mails. She would write on cards. Um, like, one of them was. Basically, tell me, telling me that I don't need other people's validation. Give me value, like I, because for me, I told her, you know, I have a, I used, I'm gonna say used to, but I used to have a problem with dating women who may be broken or have a problem or something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I equated me helping them through that with love. And that ain't love. That ain't going like, to make them love me no uh, more. It's like a codependency, no right? Or something like that? Yeah. I was, I was like that. I thought I was, you know, the, the, the man in shining armor. But then the problem is... You fix me. The problem is, you know, I wrote... I wrote a poem, poem about, I got a whole book really talking about love or whatever, but I had wrote a poem about, you know, it was basically a poem describing a, a bellhop, well, not a bellhop, who's the, the guy that gets the bags at the concierge or what? Bellhop. Yeah, that's it. I thought I was strong enough to carry those bags, you know. But one thing I learned about when you lift weights, once you put that weight down that you done been carrying for so long, you weak. It weakens you. Your body, I get spaghetti legs. <laughs> so I'm up here trying to carry all your baggage. I can't even hold myself up. <laughs> and that's, I ran into that because I equated me helping you through your mess with you finding a way to love me. And the only reason I did that is because it's still a part of me that ain't confident in me. Okay. Yes, because value is intrinsic, not extrinsic. And when we look uh, externally, then we're trying to get our value from other people or other things to feel validated. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Told you, man. She had me in the cherry blood. Yeah, I do. I tell that one story. I tell to this day. Story is that? You had me do that exercise <laughs> where you made me close my eyes. <laughs> oh. I swear, <laughs> I tell it every time. It felt like I was in Get Out. <laughs> 
You know when that man be following me, he's following me <laughs> he to, to the, the sunken to, place. To the sunken place. <laughs> it was like she was like, close your eyes and speak oh. to the to you. You in a dark room in a chair, and you like, just tell yourself, speak to yourself. What would you tell yourself? I swear to Jesus. Oh man, what? I was oh, sitting man. in the chair, and I'm just like. I'm just saying. I'm sitting in there. I'm talking to myself, y'all. I promise. And this is my thing. I don't never shy away from telling people about my. This is why I like Kanye because he, he he is who he is. He gonna tell you the good and the bad. You gonna see everything. And that's how I kind of. That's my spirit. I want because I done lived a life of where I was in church and then they teach you to to walk this way and do this. And I, I had conflicts with it because I didn't know the meaning between humble and and, um, <laughs> and and just lack of confidence. So I promise you, I was sitting in the chair. I couldn't stop crying. I cried for about 30 minutes just talking to myself. And it was like, <laughs> it was like I was talking to myself in the chair. And I'm just like... Damn, she really got me. I remember I went well, home. That, that's why he was all somber for like three, four episodes. Y'all, I, I went home. I went to bed. I said, no, no, no. I gotta go to bed. Y'all yeah, went to bed. I was like, what's that? Been up for a couple of days. Oh, man, that's right. Because it, it was just so freeing. Because at the end of the day, just like she said, you can't um, you can't love somebody if you don't love yourself. So mm-hmm. I just you know, I always tell people I got a problem with that, but being enough. I always feel like I'm not a, enough. Like I could do like say if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I could give them all the love I got in this world. But in my head, it's not enough. If they get upset or if it just seems like they're not receiving what I'm giving. And then as I as I don't went on, I was just like, you know what? They okay to be upset. It's okay. Like, it's okay. I think in relationships we do. I was reading something. I don't know. It because the way that I'm wired. I blame myself for a lot of stuff. It ain't just in relationships. It could be, I, if something don't, if I can't make you happy, it makes me feel like it's my fault. Happiness comes from It does. <laughs> but, and I'm going to tell you where it stems from. And it stems from, I think it stems from my dad. Just because I look up to him. So it stems from that. But yeah, she had me in that crying boy. I was in that balling. I said, God dang! I, mean, I always figured that happened. I was like, I, I figured most people, I I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure I would shed a tear too. <laughs> it was like, it was like, hey, bro. I mean, but that's the thing. I think to know what it would be. Well, what's gonna what's gonna bring it out? Yeah, I'm like, what's gonna I break me? You know, I've been trying to get you to go. Just do. I mean, it's a free thing, and I I know one other cousin that went, and she me and her had the same experience where you get out of therapy because you've been carrying these bags for so long. 
you do, you tie, you be tired after after I relinquish these feelings and these thoughts. When you get out, bro, I be tired. I mean, one time I tried to go to work right afterwards. Oh man, I was sitting in the office. This is at Taco Bell, Ryan. You know the office in the back. I was sitting back there, so dozing off. I was like, y'all, I'm tired. I came to work. Goodness gracious, man. Because you don't understand. Because that, there is a misnomer. People don't understand. Like I tell people, like, oh, they're like, oh, it's just talking. Mm, no, it's mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And you may leave and be exhausted. Mm-hmm. You may leave and be emotional you because you're going to bring up things that have been suppressed, things mm-hmm. that you may not even be aware, aware of. Mm-hmm. It's for real. Mm-hmm. I ain't, I can't. And then I can't when he was not. talking about baggage, sometimes it's baggage, but a lot of times, especially people who have been traumatized, they adopt a false identity. They think that their trauma is their identity. They don't even realize that's not who they are. So then there's the, the part of like separating you from your issues. Because most people think that their issues that's just part of their personality. That's true. Man. I said that wrong too, y'all on your podcast. You know. <laughs> just a point. You be trying, you be trying. I did. I did. Paul said this. Uh, right. No. All I said was I did. Cause I did. I had a false uh I I was living in a false reality of who I was. Like because to me, I was my father's son. Um, so I felt like it's only right for me to be what he was. But that ain't it. Like, I wrote recently on Facebook, I said, you know, I can't. Even if I love God like he loved God, my relationship with God is different. I can't, I'm not, I'm not willing. I can't go out there and do what he do. You know, I have to walk my walk the way it is. If I'm a poet, then that's just the way that I go. I'm not a preacher. Right. Um, but I lived in this false reality and it really was just me Masking my insecurities of being, I, w- I was insecure, so I was just like, no, that's humble. So they always say, my daddy humble, he this, he that, so that's what I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna take credit for this, this, and that. I'm not gonna enjoy the, the wins that I have because that ain't what you're supposed to do. That's not what the Bible say is right. That ain't what's godly. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was just wrong. And one of my things about why. I look at church the way that we do because we we allow young Christians sometimes to walk in the wrong just cause. Like, I could have been told the right thing, but I wasn't. You know, they just like, yeah, you got to be humble. You, you just do this, do that. But you're not looking in and seeing that I'm just insecure and I'm just using that, using it. And I lived in it for so long, it became my reality. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just lowly old Paul. I don't don't do much. It's not necessarily, it's a misunderstanding and not a clarity of what humility was. So what you equated with humility was really your insecurity. But you didn't know that and you didn't know the difference because of how it had been portrayed to you. Yeah. 
Right. So it happens a lot. But your a person's peace, joy, happiness, sense of fulfillment is going to uh, be in their true identity. Not the person you try to become to please everybody, mm-hmm. but your true identity. And that's also where your worth lies. That's when your gifts open up and make room for you because that is who God made you <clears throat> to be. Okay. That's what's up. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I was in so I can play. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, man, look, we still accept you for who you are, bro. Oh, yeah, you know. We, we love you, man. You know, it's 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 a process, and we get it. it. You know what I'm saying? And I hope I'm going to have to check it out, too. You know what I'm saying? Just because, because like you said, it's a, it's a lot of stuff that that we as, as men or just human beings in general have suppressed. That we ain't even aware of stuff that that's been going on for decades of our lives, and shit, before we was even born, and we was just born into it and suppressed in our minds and our hearts and our soul, and it's like getting that out, like you said, shoot, you be in this in that funk, be sleep. Your mama, yeah, your mama come in and knock on them. I tried to call you. Well, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. <laughs> but you, but your eyes open. I'm sleeping right now. <laughs> listen to what I'm telling you. I'm sleeping. But that's and that's funny because it's like I feel like we don't understand it. I had a Hispanic person ask me one time, like, "Why are y'all angry?" I said, "Don't call it angry." Oh, I'm glad I wouldn't ask that. Oh yeah, I know how to. I know how to. You know, you know I'm a politicker. So I'm just like, no, it ain't anchor. I said, let me explain it to you. I said, you know, um, we have a lot of past traumas. And one thing about trauma, it, it's not like it evaporates and dissipates and thin air and goes away um, if you don't deal with it. And I feel like as a people, we have not always dealt with it. Um, and because we wait. You know, we always talk about how, you know, we want reparations. We, we want y'all to acknowledge the fact y'all did us wrong. That, 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 that ain't going to happen. Never. But it's like I told her, I said, you know, our grannies helped raise some of their kids. Mm-hmm. Didn't get paid nothing but nickel dimes and quarters. Yep. And we... Good enough to come to your funeral, but you we wasn't good enough for y'all to see us as an upper class citizen. Like we have trauma we even that a way. C class <laughs> Like it's trauma in there. It's trauma to to be in there. And I said we never dealt with it. So don't look at it like we're angry or this mean race. It's we hurt. I said it's hurt. I said, the only difference, I did get a little mad. I ain't going to lie. Because I was like, the only difference between y'all and us is y'all want them. Y'all want to be like them. We don't. We just want to get acknowledged to the fact that y'all hurt. It's just like if somebody slapped you and then ran away, you want them to acknowledge the fact that they slapped you. You might want to beat their tail. But you, it's, it's just you want acknowledgement. I said, but that's all it is. And I said, we're not, and I, I think as a race, we're never going to get it from them. Um, 
Did you see him take? No, you have to add an element in there. The, the person walked up and slapped you yeah. and act like they, they didn't did slap, slap you. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then try to race like yeah. I, it's like because even in Texas, you know, they didn't come to the point where I had put it in the chat this week. You know, they erase certain day in Texas. They don't even some textbooks don't even have certain aspects of the civil rights movement in it. They take that out. But then, now they did turn around and put prayer and the Ten Commandments inside the school. Okay, I, I agree with that. Because when we were growing up, we had prayer in school. I, I did in uh, middle school. But it's like, I, I feel like, you know, they look at our race like we're this. We're angry, but it's not anger. It's, it's just hurt. <coughs> And anger is unresolved hurt. Mm. So I'm gonna ask you this um, before we move on to the last uh, last little part. We was talk about this last podcast, maybe right at the end, maybe two podcasts ago. Do you think that we benefited as as a race more before or after segregation? I think it depends on what you focus on. I think if you talk about mainly education, okay. Uh, I don't know. That's really that's a little kind of up in the air, right? Because I think you've got knowledge that you gain from learning other things, being exposed to other things, having opportunities that you didn't have back then. Definitely. But then there's also the things you learn pertinent to worth and survival that you get in a family and that you get from unity. And, and, you know, those things you can't learn in a book. Mm -hmm. Or from somebody else that hasn't lived it. Values, right. You can't get that. So I think uh, you can probably take from both. Really. Yeah, we got into uh, into on the, I don't even know how we got onto that topic that day. <laughs> it was at the end of the show. That's <laughs> always me. Because <laughs> it was you. I remember. <laughs> okay. You know, my mind. I, said, oh, hey, I, I don't say, I simply said that our brother go back to segregation. And I said no because it defeats the purpose. So we both was kind of right. Because it defeats the purpose to me. Because if you, I don't know. Well, because I'm bother- curious. Why did you want to go back? Like, why do you think that was better? Like, I mean, it's, uh, me and my dad was actually talking about it a little bit earlier. In in a way, um, you lost a lot of the black dollar out of the community um, to where, let's say, mm-hmm. let's say you got a family that has a farm. All they want to do is go off, and, and it's, it, they're not wrong to want to do what they, it, you know, you're not passing down things. You're not creating a generational wealth and things of that sort. It's not, you know, it's it's nothing that I don't like white people or anything. It's just more right. so I felt like uh, that hurt the black community more, you know, trying to, I guess, fit in. And then the money went out of our community. So it's that's the only reason I was like, I, I just feel like we don't support one another as, as much as we should. Mm-hmm. That we did back then, you know, you had black farms. You go to the black farm, right, right, right. black, you know, all of those things. So. It's kind of wild, right? Because it it happened as a means to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we know we couldn't get what we needed mm-hmm. 
from the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh feel like I digress. <laughs> but but not even realizing that it was allowing us to, as you say, create wealth in our own neighborhood. Like being emerging entrepreneurs and not even knowing it, having skills like working trades, right? Gardening and fishing and what, whatever, uh, carving, etc. So it's kind of wild because, in one regard, it was a strength of a people. But then, on the other hand, if you look at desegregation, okay, we have doors, we have opportunities, and that's good. We can expand to a degree, but okay, we lose some of our dollars internally, but then we also become more divided, right? So now we lose that sense of strength as a people and a community to make a voice. And and all throughout history and even now, they do not want you to unify because there is strength in numbers, mm-hmm. right? We have exactly. our dollars collectively matter. Our voice collectively matters. That's why they've always fought so hard. Like, don't let them gather. Don't let them gather. Kill them all. In history, the most vocal black men, they were taken out real quick mm-hmm. because of the power and influence they had to get a people together. Yeah. I mean, did the Paul's guy, you know, Kanye. Right. I mean, not the Brian. I ain't starting to say he was. <laughs> so don't, I'm, I'm just saying, like it, it, it turned on him real quick. I was like, that's it, it's crazy What's, how. Yeah, and I agree to a certain. The only problem I had with the segregation thing was even doing segregation. He didn't. <laughs> it wasn't like we was uh, war bugs. It wasn't like we, because we still had sharecropping. You still, they still. I learned this from the McDonald's uh, uh, movie I watched. You know, it don't matter what building you put on that land. It's the land. Mm. It's the land. People could crop. Black people did that. That's fine. But who owned that land? Sometimes they loan that land to the black person to crop for them. And yeah, there was the theirs. And then on top of that, when we start to talk about those communities, part of segregation, what the ugly part of segregation, the mental side of it is, you know, once they see you and your community flourishing, what does the mental side of them do? We got Oklahoma. We got we got flooding. flooding in Georgia. They flooded the whole town. It's that's the side. Like you know, I always say I'm mental. Like hey, you, you are that money. You the bottom line guy. I'm that emotional. I like emotions, and I look at them, and I be like, yeah. When you segregate, I get it. But yeah, that's still I don't. going on today. I mean, that hasn't changed. But that's I mean, my that's, point. That's still happening. So, but that's my point. What's using going back to something that you had before the didn't I mean, work? You gain, you gain know, what? You gain the numbers. Like you, you gain in numbers. Right well, now, we're, we're we're more divided. But okay, I understand. But you remember what you told me? It don't matter how much money you get, but if you don't know what to do with it. So if we're already broken, once we get together, we just another bunch of broken people. That's why when you see neighborhoods where these young kids fighting over blocks that they don't own, 
they shooting up stuff because I live on uh, 4th Street, you live on 6th Street. It's just like the apartheid. I live over here, you live over there, we fighting. Why? What is the reason? At the end of the day, if we're broken, even if you segregate and put us all together, it's still going to be the same. Now, stuff. I ain't going to sit up here like I know the history of gangs, but some of the stuff that I saw, gangs weren't for fighting one, you know, each other. No, they it's not, more. but what happened is because... It was more for protection. Yeah, it's for like protection, but once college, you manipulate yeah. a race and make them think, you remember the crab in the bucket mentality. You know, we was talking about this earlier. Like, when are we going to understand, like, as a race, I feel like we need to take some accountability and say, look, yeah, the system is set up to make us do these things and want these things, and it makes us ward each other for no reason. Like, it just does. It The, the situations they put us in is a boiling pot, and they know it. They know it. It was, we don't. That's the problem. But that's the thing. Just like we sit here and said, as a therapist, they're going to talk to you. Stuff that you already got inside of you to figure it out. We don't understand that. Maybe we all go to therapy. Maybe we get some of these crisps and bloods to understand. Because they, like you said, they don't even know the real meaning. I done heard young kids throw up signs. What you throwing a sign? You know what that means? No, you seen a rapper do it. Yeah. You know what that, that handkerchief in the back of your pocket means? No. You seen that? I got offended one time because a Caucasian person said, I didn't go see Black Panther because I thought it was about the hate group from back in the 70s. I said, hot, hot, You talking about Marvel? Yes. I, I, I can't <laughs> talk with you. I don't nope. I heard it, but she was an older woman, and I and I was like, "Do you not even know that wasn't really a hate group? It really wasn't." Yeah. But see, that's see, I was, but yeah, yeah, it would have been over because I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, have, I, nice day, I wouldn't have told her. Person, I am. Have a nice day because I know how I am. <laughs> I know exactly how I am. I'd have had, I would have. Got that face from this. Yeah, first I, I would hit you with a face first, but then I'm like, okay, so. Where did you learn it was a hate group? <laughs> but, I mean, I would, I'm going to have to ask her first. Like, when did you learn that it was a hate group? Like, based on what information? And it, it just would have spun out from there. Because she would have she would have walked away extremely upset with me. <laughs> I think he's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, think I mean, that's my he thing. He might be like, But I, I don't know. We just, I don't know. I, and my thing to combat it was, I was like, you know, the black dollar is powerful but I don't want to throw us a, a lifeboat when we can figure this thing out so black, black banking black businesses you know I done been hard on y'all anyways y'all be on them black businesses but boy, they don't be wanting to do right they don't do this look. I just say come <laughs> If you go open up a business, mm-hmm. understand how to run your business. That's but you know awesome. the dangers of doing that. No, you don't run your business <laughs> in a, you know. Y'all, I'm sorry. Business is business. But do why do black, we call black, black businesses black businesses? But if it's a good, the predominantly white owned corporation, we just call it a business. See, so once you say black, this black businesses 
customer services, this, this, and that. I'm like, but then you go to McDonald's and mess your order up a hundred times, you go back. Or you go to such a, you, you done went to McDonald's plenty of times, they'll mess you up. And they lie to you, tell you the ice cream machine down when you know it ain't because your mama's a manager. You know they be lying. All I'm saying is, it's, but, but we don't go white businesses. They, they be, they be, they be fucking up. White business be fucking up. But we'll go, black business be fucking up. So now what that does is that makes us uh, lump every black business in together. That's not fair. No, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you your fair chance. But you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Anybody else? But But you see what I'm saying to say black business. I have quality. I was like, I'm not spending my money. I don't care if it's black, white, orange, green, Asian. By saying... You ain't getting my you, money. It's kind of like you stereotyping. Well, I mean, it, I get what you're saying, though. That's the thing, but um, it, I mean, yeah, in a way, it's stereotyping. But then you got to go back. You got to go back to transgenerational trauma. You got to go back to constructs because, okay, we got this land, we got this to quote survive, but we weren't taught principles. Yeah. So yep. then how can you manage and own something that you don't know how to do? Because they only gave you limited information. So we have a drive, right? Because we're very driven people. We're very enduring people. And we'll try it. But then do we go through the right sources? Because unfortunately, we've been having to shuck and jive and hustle and bustle and right, take right. shortcuts. And we take that same concept and mentality into business if we don't have somebody mentoring us or pouring into us or showing us a better way and so now here we go perpetuating another cycle and stereotype and I think it kind of and it came from division it's like you don't have you don't have when you divide everybody it's like you don't have that community to come together it's like okay I got this part of it how do I finish this oh I've been in business over here there you go it's the unity right so now okay so here go a challenge Hmm. homework it is. Challenge is redefining or clarifying community. Okay. Redefine or clarify community. Because community. you said something very important. You said, okay, we don't realize, like, how do I take what you have mm-hmm. and what I have? And collaborate and make right. it work for the whole. Mm-hmm. We don't t- get taught that it's I do what I do, you mm-hmm. what I do. Okay, you know, you do what you do. I get what I need from you, but we don't bring that thing together to mm-hmm. empower us as a body. Okay, we're so, gonna do it individually to get ahead. So, with that being said, that that was kind of the next topic of the the ending topic. So, do you think that is part of the plan to strengthen? the African-American family structure? Oh, yeah. I think awareness, education, Mm -hmm. and supporting, unlearning, you know, unhealthy things, being instilled and empowered with skills, skill building, Mm -hmm. right? And communication. Say it one more time. Communication. (laughs) Um, And last, where... Well, let me say this about communication. Okay, this please. This is a big <laughs> oh, yeah, this Chris, this Chris, yeah. Man. So most people communicate. They think effective communication. Well, let me back up even farther. The average person thinks they know how to do effective communication, and I would say about ninety-eight percent of people do not. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And most people mm. think effective communication is I need to be able to convey my thoughts and feelings right to the other person. That is not. Effective communication is how can you take what you're trying to say and present it to your listener in a way they understand? Because it's not going to matter what you want or what you think. If they don't get it, it's not going to help. That's, right. that's, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's yeah. it. That's the light bulb moment. Right. Like, so even when we talk about division, so now you got different levels of communication. Yep. Everything niggas over here. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, cause that 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 brightens up my soul, dog. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you don't understand how bad communication is nowadays. Like, Man, I bad. mean, and it's it gets it gets worse progressively every two day. Ways too. It Remember is. Earlier we was talking about active listening. Yeah. And you was like, I'll be trying to figure out how to how to fix it. No. Yes. No. We don't <laughs> listen to fix. We yeah, listen we to understand. understand. Yeah. Because most of I us, we don't even that. hear the whole thing. We're already trying to figure yeah. out. Okay, this yeah. what I'm gonna say. Yeah. You missed. You didn't even hear what I said. And then missed all the missed all stuff. the pertinent information. That come from whenever you be sitting there. You know, somebody be talking like, I can't, I can't not say this because like I say it before I forget. <laughs> no, nigga. If you want forget, you ain't even said no way. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> because then when, when I'm in therapy, like. I'm listening. I'm listening to understand. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm meeting this person where they are. So then I take whatever skills and knowledge I have, I adapt it mm-hmm. to this person so they can apply it. When he talks about me his postcard, <laughs> it's kind of a signature in my practice. And I and I don't again, I, I don't do it if the person doesn't want it. But a lot of times somebody will be talking about something, it might be something they're really struggling with. Mm-hmm. Because for me, my practice is just an extension of ministry. Mm-hmm. So then God knows us, we're individual. He knows how we click. Mm-hmm. He knows what's hindering us. He knows how we think and what we need to become unstuck. So when somebody's presenting a problem to me, mm-hmm. then God will be like, hey, here's the key. Then I'll write the key down because I'm like, and I'll just hand them the cards. I won't even say no. I'll be like, read these cards. Yeah. And you can just see it like tears just start rolling. Okay. Because because that's it's specific to them. And this brother right here got a bunch of them jokers. It's about, nah, it ain't a bunch. It's probably about a good six or seven. Some of them double-sided. That's 14 (laughs) But they're all designed to unlock Your identity and your purpose And then you'll see the fruit Mm -hmm. Okay I ain't gonna lie I go to When I get to that point where I just be like I feel like I'm doing the same thing again. Go back to them, and I have to I have to look at them sometimes That's what they're there for though You know I feel like I'd be honest, I you know, I am a believer in words. I I love podcasting, talking, writing. Um and we even talked about I like trusting people's word a lot. My girl even get on me now, but she's like, You trust people too easy. I said, yeah, I do. I just I not trust them to the point where I let them hurt me. I trust them to the point where I give you I give you a chance. I'll I'll give you a chance. Like I don't, I don't deem to be this super reader of minds because I can't. Um, but I'm gonna try to my best to be an honest person to you. Mm-hmm. So 
it is what it is. I don't. I, I told my cousin one time, like he was like, you know, I be feeling like I give love out. I don't be receiving it back. I say, well, that ain't. That's not the purpose of giving that love. At the end of the day, you got. I don't give it out to expect it back. I just. That's just me. If I gotta go in front of God one day. I gotta stand there for myself. I can't stand there and say, "Yeah, God, you remember when uh when Ron didn't give me that love back? You remember that?" He gonna go, "Well, what did you do?" Well, you know, I I, I cussed his ass out. You know what I'm saying? Get to the back of the line. Get out of here. Let <laughs> somebody borrow some money. I was like, if I give you something, I'm like, yeah, I give you this because I ain't gonna get it back. I mean. Most yep. of the time, if I got to help y'all, like, I ain't expecting it back. You in a situation where you may can't do it. So, yep. I ain't going to pressure you about it. So, I look at sometimes love the same way. If you're going to give it out, sometimes I might not be in a position to give it back. So, that is when you in that position, you won't give it back. Do it. Do it. Just add some interest when you come uh, give it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to ask this because. I told people to send their questions. Oh, we got some in. I can own them red too. This this one ain't done. This one person asked this Reese, that's you know, she's a mother who has a son. Who got a girlfriend. The son got a girlfriend. The son got a girlfriend. And she don't like him. She don't like the girl. And she don't know what to do. With it, somebody wrote this in. Yeah, she don't you know what to do. She said she That's don't know because the girl <laughs> if pees on their space. She build her house acting like it's her house. Wait a minute, how old are these? Never mind. Go ahead. Wait, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> the son got a girlfriend. How old is the son? The son, he is twenty. Okay, he live with his mama. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he lives with his mom. Yep. Um, and the girl, she be over there sometimes when the son ain't there, and she be doing, she she be making messes, don't be clean up supposed. And she was like, she was wanting to tell, and I told her, this is, I, I told her, I said, well, frankly, it's your son's responsibility. That's his girl. That's his girl. That's your house. Now, you can kick him out if you want to because it's your house. But that's your son's girl. You can't tell him that, no, you need to leave her. But you can tell them they need to leave your house. I said, that's it. If that's your, you know, what you want to do. I said, because at the end of the day, I mean, if you go to a son or your daughter and be like, don't date this person. Kind of like you're signing your own death list. They're going to do it somehow out of spite. You, it's the truth. That's all that you say. Mm-hmm. For real? Yeah. You think if you have a daughter, you'd be like, yeah, that, that nigga right there. I would like to think if I had a daughter that I would have put the correct principles in place to where she can make that decision on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, and that's how my parents do me. I mean, my parents, they don't. I like it. They love it. You know, I'm not saying that they really love it, but I mean, my mom, my mom, if, if I go to them, like, you know, the relationship I was in, I wouldn't do them a lot. Like, <laughs> like, is there something wrong with it? Am I reading this wrong? Like, so, you know, I, I leaned on them and my sisters. And they, they, they brought me back a couple of times. 
And that last time, I was like, yeah, ain't no money. <laughs> I was right from the jump. <laughs> I was right. That's it. You know, so. What was your advice be for? Well, first of all, it is her house, and, like, her boundaries need to be clear with her son as far as what she will allow and what she won't allow. When it comes to his choice and his relationship, it is his choice. She, you know, hopefully has instilled the principles in him to know, like, what is good and healthy and what is not good and healthy. Outside of that, she just needs to be um, a safe space. You know, like, so he knows that regardless to whatever he's doing with Susie, that that's still his mom. And she loves him all the same, right? Um, and, you know, if he asks her, well, mom, what do you think? Then give her opinion. But, again, you know, you just want to make sure that you're not trying to tell him what to do because at the end of the day, it's his choice. And he has to live with it. Like, now, one thing I tell my children that's my daughter. She me. over there chilling. I say, remember <laughs> your ABCs. That your actions and your behaviors equal your consequences. Mm. So every choice has a consequence, whether it's positive or negative, and you determine the choice by what you choose. So as long as you can handle your consequences, I'm good. Boom. Boom. I mean, that's, that's it. That's it. Well, I bet you'd be mad at your mom. You just, your mom just. Oh, well, let's like, let's talk about the road to get here, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. Mental health for me is really strong, and I'm an artist, so, you know, artists, we be out there. I'm a poet as well, so I, I see you. I see you. Okay, like, I get it. So, like, All artists just want to be loved. That's why I keep telling everybody. Oh, oh man. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. Oh, well, let let me tell y'all, this is how y'all disguise y'all unrealisticness. Y'all call it, y'all call it, uh, just having hope. Yep, that's it. <laughs> oh man, that's it. Oh, man, it is what it is. Look, hey, that's crazy. <laughs> it is artists. This is what artists do. It is. And you know what? Oh God, you know what just came to me? Like y'all are never in the present. Y'all never see things as they are nope. because through your lens, you're always seeing what you want it to be. So it's got to be future. That's what I'm we, saying. Be like Walter. That's not real. <laughs> be Walter. <laughs> but you. That's, but it's okay once you have some awareness. But you got to get grounded. But you in know the, what? The reality. But that's what make it that's art. There. Like you see further ahead. That's and what that's make it art to people. Okay, now Paul, you gonna make me go there? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Because listen, that's true and that's great, but you need to do it from a hill place. That's fine. That is true. But if you're not doing it from a hill place, not only is your art distorted, so is your thinking and perception. That's true. There it is. I mean, she can't make me a long time ago when I'm sitting in the seat thinking I'm sinking. But. It's cool. That sounds cool. Yeah. Nah. Uh, let, let, just, me say, just, let me say. Let me go my my part. And know, did y'all know that you have neurons neurons in your heart too, so that your heart thinks just like your mind. <laughs> what then? Why? Yes. yes. Your heart and your mind actually work together. Yes. I or like against it. each other. I thought it worked against uh-huh. each other. I mean, well, it, it no, is. no, no. Actually, so if you had to think of a setup. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible says what? So the man thinketh, so is he. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. 
So your heart has all this, whatever you believe, because that's what you're going to act on is what you believe. Mm -hmm. Then your mind is really projecting what's in your heart so that you can act on it. Dang, I'm sorry, y'all. I lied to y'all again. That got my second. No, that brought my third lie. I try to tell y'all your heart and your mind don't never work together. It that because to me it never does. But it may. I mean, but it can be a disconnect, right? Because whatever, like let's say you you think one thing. Okay, I give you a perfect example. You ever had somebody you like and you know they're not good for you, but you can't get over them? Yeah. Because you got. <laughs> You got this whole yeah. like emotional soul type, but your mind is like, what you doing, man? No. No. <laughs> walk away. Yeah. Then you'll probably yeah. be like, no. I think every man that had to walk away moment and then just didn't pay enough attention. Everybody on this earth that had that walk away moment. It ain't you ain't lived like enough if you ain't I had that moment. Money in this. <laughs> The return was bankrupt when you invested. Uh, hey, oh, you know, that was a bad business. This business has folded. Yep. <laughs> gotta study the portfolio. Yeah. Uh, I gotta uh I gotta rebrand this business. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's always worth rebranding, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm the rebrand is a thing now. Everybody do that now. That's how Instagram came up. It was a rebrand. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a whole rebrand. They started that out as a whiskey app, and they rebranded it into Instagram. Rebrand is a new. That's the new facelift, man. Everybody do. Everybody, everybody rebrands. I mean, you might not have to rebrand that relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> turn it into. Rebrand yourself. Turn it. I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. I've been misquoting you for so long. I had to get you on here because I rave about you all the time. Um, and I just want to say, you know, all our listeners, it's the 100th episode. We wanted to do something that we've been trying to do for the longest because we've been trying to get professional. Come on. Um, and, you know, on our black therapy sessions, we talked about how to deal with death, absentee fathers. We did mental health check. But, you know, to me, I was waiting on this episode. I'm like, yeah, this is my wheelhouse. I want our listeners to understand uh, that therapy is, I wouldn't call it, you know, if you don't feel like you would listen, um, you have to be a willing participant. It works. Um, it's okay to share your thoughts in a protected space. Our podcast ain't that protected because we're going to say some wild stuff half the time. Yeah. Yeah, Ron. <laughs> but, but, you know. Marcus, too. To, yeah, Marcus, you know. Yeah, he ain't here today, but. Yeah, he ain't yeah. here today. But, you know, but we wanted to, you know, just let you guys know that, you know, therapy is okay. Our black show. Yeah. We done been through a lot. I don't know why y'all think therapy ain't. Yeah, your, your pastor is a, he, he can help too, but. God bless people with a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. So just uh, be open to it. Well, we definitely, uh, again, we appreciate it. Make sure y'all check us out every Monday, 4 o'clock on all platforms. Whatever, wherever you get your podcast, 
We're there. iHeartRadio coming up soon. Um, Miss Reese, I appreciate everything that you had to say today, everything that you offered to this podcast. We appreciate it greatly. Mm-hmm. I hope she it was helpful. got a lot of mail right there on that paper. Say what? That was a lot saying. of mail right there. I sure did. She got a lot of mail. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me. I got a ball. Nah, uh, yeah, we... we, we yeah, we might have to get you back up here, you know. Might this might be a regular thing, you know. But uh, but let everybody know, um, you know, where they can find you, how they can get in contact with you, and uh, might bring some clients your way. Hopefully. So I'm on Instagram at the Passionate Therapist. I'm on Facebook at Roundtable Coaching and Consulting. I also have a website with Roundtable Coaching and Consulting, and you can look me up on Psychology Today. Okay. Got all her stuff linked in, so definitely check her out. Make sure you hit up, get a session. What you got to lose? Some altitude, some altitude. That's it, because you're going to sink a little bit. <laughs> you know, you might sink a little bit. Just, you know, it's all right. <laughs> but yeah, definitely appreciate everybody for checking us out through 100 episodes. And whenever you're ready, let me know so you can slide through too. Peace. Peace. <laughs>